Are you obsessed with Los Angeles? Head over heels in love with the City of Angels? Well, this is the podcast for you. At Lifehacks LA, we hack the best in arts, eats, and activities in Los Angeles. So join us and become an LA hacker. What's up, LA Hackers? This is your host, Stefan, and welcome to another episode of the Life Hacks LA podcast. I want to wish you a happy new year, and I think most of us are truly excited to put 2020 in the rearview mirror. But, you know, even though it's 2021 now, we still have some tough times ahead of us, especially in the first part of this year. And that's especially true when it comes to our local LA businesses, like restaurants that have been struggling for almost a year now with constant lockdowns and disruptions to their business. And that's why I think it's so important that we continue to support these places by ordering pickup from them and enjoying all their delicious food at home. Uh, We really have to try to help out our most beloved restaurants as much as we can. So when things do eventually open back up, they'll still be there for us to go in and enjoy them. And that's exactly what our guest today is going to talk about. His name is Andrew Kusevitsky, and he is a serious, serious L.A. foodie. I mean, my man can rattle off great places to eat in any part of the city. So Andrew, being the ultimate L.A. food lover, is really going all out to support local restaurants during this tough time. And he's eating out even more than before the pandemic, um, you know, picking up great eats and, and food all over the city. So Andrew's going to share with us his favorite places to eat in Los Angeles and some of his awesome tips on how all of us can support our beloved L.A. restaurants. As always, stay tuned for the end of the interview where I'll slip in my own favorite hack for dining in L.A. during the pandemic. All right, guys, enjoy this interview with Andrew Kusevitsky, and I'll see you on the other side. Hello, L.A. Hackers. Please welcome our guest today, Andrew Kusevitsky. How are you you today, Andrew? I'm doing great, Stefan. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. So you see that little pause I did before I said your name. I wanted to make sure I got it right. Kusevitsky. (laughs) <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. Kusevitsky. That's perfect. All right, cool. Okay, so, so Andrew, you've got a lot going on. You're an attorney, a drummer, an LA foodie, and you're going to share with us some ideas on how we can support our favorite local restaurants during this lockdown and, you know, as they're going through these tough times. Um, but before we talk about how we can support local businesses, we'd love to know a little bit more about you. Um, with your background in music, I'm sure you've traveled a ton, but where are you from originally and how did you make your way to Los Angeles? Yeah, absolutely. So originally I'm from South Florida. I was born in a suburb of Fort Lauderdale. Uh, lived there the majority of my uh, of my upbringing and uh, for about the first 25 years of my life spent, spent most of my time in South Florida between Fort Lauderdale and Miami. Um, at around the age of 19, I, I came out to Los Angeles for a vacation just for a quick trip for like two days. Uh, and I fell in love with it right away. I decided on that trip that I wanted to live here. I wanted to make a life for myself here. And I, I was just overwhelmed with how excited I was about Los Angeles at that time. So Los Angeles has, has kind of always been a goal for me uh, to live and, and, and build a life and have a family. So um, while I was living in, in Miami, I uh, went to law school down there and uh after law school, I ended up getting a, a, a record deal with my band, uh, with Capitol Records. And so took some time off from, from law and just traveled the world as a drummer in a rock band. Um, and Not a then, bad option. Not a bad no, option. No, no. It, 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 was, it, was, it was a nice turn of events. You know, after, you know, law school can, can be stressful. I happen to very much enjoy law school. I had a great experience being in Miami, uh, for those three years. Um, I lived in Miami for like seven years, but being down there for, for law school for three, um, I loved it there. Uh, but, you know, having the opportunity literally right after taking the bar exam to, to go be on tour with some of my best friends, making music that we really loved, it, it was a no brainer. And it was just one of the coolest uh, life experiences you could ask for. Uh, and then I was able to spend a few years really on the road traveling, you know, all over the US, over to Europe a few times and just, you know, seeing everything and playing everywhere and eating everything. That's for sure. Um, once, once rock and roll stopped being cool for a little while, uh, and the band kind of took a break and slowed down. Uh, that's when I basically made the decision, uh, that I wanted to get out to Los Angeles. And so about seven years ago, I moved out here with my wife, uh, 
And uh, we've been here ever since, and I can't imagine us going anywhere else ever again. Uh, we absolutely love it. Um, and that's kind of how I ended up here in LA. Oh, that's awesome. I definitely want to circle back to the um, more to the music later on in the interview, because I'm really fascinated by people who are in the entertainment industry and, um, you know, that career path. But um, let's get back to LA for now. So uh, as you know, you've been in Los Angeles for a while. It's really different experience depending on where you live. So I wanted to ask you, where do you live right now? And what do you like about living in that particular neighborhood? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I currently live in Monterey Park in the San Gabriel Valley. Um, I actually just moved here less than a year ago, maybe about, you know, eight months ago. Oh, to Los um, Angeles. No, to, to, to Monterey Park. M Monterey Park. Okay, gotcha. Monterey Park, right. I was living in downtown for over six years. I lived in downtown for over six years. Um, that's where I kind of landed when I first came here um, seven years ago. I lived in downtown the entire time, uh, just until this year, actually, uh, moved over to Monterey Park. It's not that far from downtown. I, I'm maybe, you know, I can be in the arts district in about 10 to 12 minutes from where I am. But with that being said, it's a completely different feel here, a completely different world. And, and uh, we happen to love it. Um, what, what we do love about this area of the San Gabriel Valley um, is that, you know, now that we have, um, we have two children now, um, which we didn't have when we first moved to Los Angeles, we had zero children and now we have two. So we like the fact that in Monterey Park, you know, there's, it has a little bit more of a, sub, a suburb feel and uh, you get more space in your home out here for the money. Um, there's a lot of nice parks. I mean, there's parks everywhere in Los Angeles, but here there's a lot of parks and uh, a lot of activities for children. And, you know, it's just a little easier than being in the center of LA. You know, there's like parking spaces and parking lots when you go to the grocery store in this part of town. So just that feel we, we actually like now. It's not something I ever really um, looked for, but now that we have kids, it kind of makes the day-to-day -day a bit easier. Um, but probably the thing that I, I love most about Monterey Park and where I am, um, and one of the things I love most about living in downtown for so long is just the access to other areas of LA. Uh, you know, I can be in downtown in 10 minutes. I can be in Highland Park in 10 minutes. I can be in Silver Lake or East Hollywood in, you know, 15 to 20 minutes, uh, you know, uh, right time of day, I can be on the beach in Santa Monica in about a half hour. So the access is still great to the rest of the city. Um, you know, and that, and that's very important. I, I really enjoy being able to kind of jump around the city and visit all the different neighborhoods that make LA so great. So, um, you know, definitely love Monterey Park and love the area. And I highly suggest folks who haven't come out to this part of town, come check out Monterey Park, the restaurant scene, is insane. Some of the best Chinese food in the country is, you know, right down the street from where I live. And uh, so I, I would say, you know, really enjoy this area. Still um, learning a lot about it and getting used to it, but it, it's, it's, it's a fantastic part of the city. Yeah. sounds like you found a little gem and I think that's a common move for people in Los Angeles is, you know, they start off downtown or um, Hollywood or somewhere like that. And then when yep, they get married, yep. they, they head East or North or maybe the South <laughs> Bay. So yeah, exactly. definitely, definitely a common move, but you know, I wanted to get back to your career in music. So I've got a couple of questions about that. First of all, when you sure. told me you were a drummer, I assumed that that's when you moved to Los Angeles, but you're saying that you already had your career as a drummer and it was over before you moved to LA. Yeah, actually, pr pretty much, pretty much that's the case. Uh, when I was living in Miami in law school, I actually joined the band that I was in who, uh, you know, went on, went on all these tours and got the record deal, a band called Stellar Revival. Um, I was in law school and I joined that band because I was just stressed from law school and I needed an outlet. I really needed to, to bang on some drums and have somewhere to go and be creative. Uh, it was kind of a fluke that we ended up getting this monster record deal and going touring with like all of our heroes and whatnot because we had when we got the record deal we had never played a show I think we had played one show had a few songs recorded and just really sent our demo tape to the right person at the right time who passed it along to the right person at the right time it was one of these things that you know I'd been in bands my entire life playing since I'm 12 years old and in my parents garage trying to figure out how can I you know be a musician full-time uh and then you know I'm in law school I'm getting ready to go, you know, be this serious adult about myself and whatnot. And we literally just passed along this tape we made 
and within about two weeks, Capitol Record was knocking on our door saying, all right, you guys, you're getting a record deal and wow. here you go. It was just so crazy. And, you know, they say, you know, overnight success usually takes about 15 to 20 years. And that's exactly what it was. Um, but, but at that point, I was still living in Florida. And so we weren't, you know, we weren't an LA based band. We were a suburb of Fort Lauderdale band. We were way off everyone's radar at that point. Um, but as we began to, you know, get, get involved in recording and touring and whatnot, we were in Los Angeles all the time. So LA started to actually seep into my existence much more once uh, the band started to pick up. Um, our record labels based out of here. A lot of our team were based out of here. Um, you know, if we were going to do a music video, the record label would like pay for us to come to Los Angeles and, and come spend time here and shoot it. Uh, we would come out here and just play for folks in the industry. So we were spending a lot of time in Los Angeles while we were doing the band. But but being here didn't, you know, uh, wasn't an issue for us. We weren't here when we got our, our record deal. Um, but even, you know, this, this is when I'm in my mid-20s. Um, I already had known I wanted to be in Los Angeles. I, I mean, when we got the record deal and started touring and playing, I already had that in my head that, uh, once we had some downtime with the band, I was going to move to Los Angeles nonetheless. Um, so yeah, it was, it was interesting. I kind of did it backwards. Like <laughs> most yeah. people move to LA and try to figure it out. I, yeah. uh, so many people I move somewhere... here and then struggle for years and years trying to get discovered in LA, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And, and I'll say like, you know, being here is great. It's a big advantage. I certainly recommend if, if you, you know, that's what you want to do. Uh, you can come out here and you'll find benefits to that. I also think that LA becomes a lot more important once you have some momentum because all the people out, all the resources and the talent, they're all here. So um, if you can come out here with some kind of momentum or something under your feet, it, it really helps. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my kind of weird story of my band doing everything backwards. Yeah. It's crazy too. Just how you talked about how you just sent, you guys sent a demo tape in and that was enough. I mean, that sounds like the timing was just amazing, you know, got, got to the right person. Um, not, so nowadays, I mean, I don't know how involved you are in the music industry now, but I would assume that most people who, you know, hit it big like that and sign with a big record label, they've already got a huge following on their own, like YouTube, Instagram, et cetera. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a full-time attorney now. That's what I do. Uh, but I actually still, I do play drums still. And I actually play with, the majority of the band that I was in Stellar Revival, uh, those same guys I still play with. Um, we're, we're a different band now. We're a band called Westview. Um, our music's slightly different, uh, but but I do still play. And so what you just said is, you know, you, you hit it right on the head. Now you need to have a pre-existing fan base or some sort of pre-existing buzz to really grab the attention of, you know, A&R and record labels and promoters um, because, look, it's just, it's a lot easier if they have this proof that people already like you and people are already connecting with your music or your, or your image or your art or whatever it is. Um, that kind of data that they're able to look at is very helpful for them in choosing who to work with. Um, I, I certainly think that a ton of talent flies under the radar because of that. Um, you know, there are tons of great bands and musicians and singers out there who, who write some of the most incredible music, but don't have large fan bases. And, you know, they very well may get looked over. So there's definitely, you know, positives and negatives to, to the more modern approach to how artists are being selected. But when we, you know, just this was in 2012, it feels like, you know, 100 years ago in terms of how much things have changed in the industry. But yeah, we had no fans, no shows, I think like three songs and just, you know, just loved what we did. I think we were, you know, we had some great tunes right out of the gate, you know, our singers, an amazing singer. So I just think that we were good. And at the time that was enough, but that's no longer the case. You certainly have to bring something else to the table. Yeah, it certainly has changed. You know, one of the reasons why I'm fascinated with people who work in the entertainment industry is living here. You meet a lot of people in the entertainment industry and you realize how competitive it is. And also, like you said, it's a, another benefit of living in Los Angeles. It is competitive, but you're also going to get a lot better connections when you can actually talk to the people. But I remember yeah. being here, it was about 2012, actually, yeah, just right around the time you're talking about. But um, I was living in an apartment at the time in mid city, like near the Grove. And, you know, it was one of those apartments where people would come and go, you know, they'd live there six months and another person would come in. 
but one night or one time this uh one of our neighbors he was in a band and he's like oh just come uh, i'll give you guys free tickets come check me out me and my wife went and checked him out that night and you know i was like okay this is cute the guy's gonna do a little show in this thing and his talent was incredible like i mean yeah. it was like amazing yeah. i was like oh my god there's so many talented people that just like you said get overlooked and yeah. it's just it's just incredible how much talent there is here and people that you know you might not ever have heard of that will just blow you away exactly exactly that's one of my favorite parts of living in los angeles is just the ridiculous talent pool um you know pre-pandemic one of my favorite things to do in la was to just go out and listen to music and you go out to whether it's you know a, a show to see a specific artist or you know a random bar or a random club the, the the level of talent that you'll just run into on any given night it's incredible and that's just one of the things that makes this city so so awesome uh but yeah there there's just in this city it's it's endless man with the talent and the approaches and it's just so cool i love it yeah, I feel like we could uh, talk about this all day. So I'll absolutely, jump in, I'll jump yeah. into uh, restaurants. So um, one of the reasons why uh, you're you're on as our guest today is because you want to talk about the local restaurant scene. Because um, you know, of course, LA is one of the best places for foodies. But like the rest of the world, we're struggling right now with the pandemic and all these restrictions. At the time that we're recording this, they even shut down outdoor dining. And uh, you were telling me that you're taking you're doing your part by eating out as much as possible. So in which we always encourage people to do. I've been doing the same, but uh, can you share with us a few of your favorite places for takeout right now during this whole lockdown? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'd love to. Um, and you know, the, I'll preface this with, you know, like you said, Los Angeles is one of the greatest, if not the greatest place to eat on earth. And so there are so many places that, you know, need and deserve our support. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll name a few places that I really enjoyed my experience, but this is by no means a, a complete list. And, you know, I, I would highly suggest getting out there and, and just, you know, supporting these guys across the city, all over the place. But some of the places that I really, really enjoyed this year, 2020, um, who I thought just provided, you know, an escape from the craziness. Um, you know, first and foremost, there's a place called Moosecraft Barbecue. Um, they do Central Texas style barbecue. They do it the right way. Um, they smoke their meats, you know, over smoker, over wood, over fire, um, real deal Texas style barbecue. I'm fortunate I have some family that lives in Texas, so I go there often enough um, and eat the food there. And I can tell you that Moose is doing it on, on an extremely high level. Uh, and I think that American barbecue is probably the best native food to North America, the best style cuisine that we have mm -hmm. um, in terms of native cuisines to North America. And I think Moose is doing it almost as, as good as anyone. And uh, I, so that, that would be one that I highly suggest. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so sorry to interrupt. So, cause I love barbecue and I've had Texas barbecue. Uh, I used to do business trips out there and I was just blown away by the barbecue. Everything else we beat them in, but not the barbecue. So I not want the to make sure yeah. I got this one right. Is it lose with an L or M No, or it's Moose. Moose. M-O-O-S craft yeah. barbecue. Okay. Moose. What area is it in? So they, you know, they used to be at Smorgasbord every Sunday in downtown, but right now they're working out of Crafted Kitchen in downtown in the Arts District. And, uh, oh, cool. you know, you, you follow them on Instagram and they'll let you know it's usually every Sunday or every other Sunday, I think. You order through their website, you, you drive up, they, you know, you just pop your trunk when they come up to you and they drop your food in your trunk. It's all curbside, great ordering system. And I mean, you know, it's just, it'll make you very happy. It'll make you very happy. All right. We're off to a really good start because yeah. I've never heard of that place and it sounds amazing. So great, <laughs> great. Yeah. Highly recommended. Um, I have a handful more. I'd love to talk about uh, another place um, in Glendale, the, the great mini kebab. Uh, it's a, it's a small Armenian Egyptian restaurant. And when I say small, literally when they're open for dining, they have two tables that fit two people each roughly. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's an amazing place. It's run by an incredible family, uh, parents and, and their son, Armin, they cook some of the best kebab, uh, in the city. Um, their lunch plates are just phenomenal. They have a chicken cutlet that is on their menu. That is just insane. Um, but regardless of what you order there, it's, it's all amazing. The chicken, the beef, the lamb, um, their salads, their, you know, their eggplant caviar, it's, it's all great. Um, I think that that's a great place if, if you're looking for something um, in that, in that kind of range, in that, in that cuisine range, you know, that they're doing some of the 
some of the best Armenian food in the city. So I, I certainly recommend a mini kebab in Glendale. Absolutely. Um, another place that uh, I, I love pre-pandemic and I think that they're just have have been serving the same quality food uh, before and after the pandemic started is a place called Holbox. Uh, it's in South LA. It's in Mercado La Paloma. Um, it's uh, the same the same chef and owners from a place called Chichen Itza, which is a Yucatan style Mexican restaurant, also in Mercado La Paloma. But what Whole Box does is they do Alta California cuisine, which is a very um, you know unique style of Mexican slash Californian. Uh, I don't want to say fusion, but it, it's somewhat of a marriage of of those styles of cooking, um, leaning probably more heavy into the Mexican, uh, but very seafood driven. Um, they have some of the best ceviche, if not probably the best ceviche in the city, incredible fish tacos. Um, they do spiny lobster. Uh, they do a, a fried shrimp torta. That's amazing. Um, and this is one of my favorite restaurants in the city. Um, I think that, you know, drive over there, grab some food, take it out, eat it on the, the hood of your car in their parking lot. It's, it's going to be a phenomenal evening or lunch, you know, whatever you decide to do, but whole box uh, in South LA, right, right by USC. Um, another place that I really want to mention, and uh, I, I just think is a very special approach to takeout and is one of been one of my favorites is it's a restaurant called Vespertine in Culver City. And this is a this is a two Michelin star restaurant. So generally, you know, to go eat at this restaurant, I think it's somewhere between like, you know, three and four hundred dollars a person. It's like a five hour ordeal. Um, and, you know, it's it's an event, you know, uh, but for the past, you know, seven or eight months since the pandemic, they've actually been doing these themed takeout menus and they'll switch them like every month or every other month. And uh, these meals have been some of my favorite, not only meals, but activities uh, of the entire year. Um, they've done, you know, Southern meals. They've done meals uh, covering Japan. They've done collaborations with the French Laundry, um, with Alenia in Chicago. Um, many of these meals you take home and you actually will either, you know, finish them off by, by cooking them a little bit or plating them. And so it's a bit interactive, but I mean, some of the quality of the food has been out of control and uh, very transportive in, in a way. And in a year where you can't travel, you can't get on a plane and, you know, fly to Savannah, Georgia. I mean, some of, you know, the Southern, the Southern meal that they put out mentally put me in Savannah, Georgia for a few hours in my kitchen. Um, so just in that regard, I, I think what they're doing is extremely special. Um, you know, it's, it's a little more on the pricey end. Um, it can be, you know, anywhere from, you know, say 65 to maybe a hundred dollars a person, depending on the, on the menu that they're offering, but it's, it's, it's very much an experience and, you know, I can't recommend it enough to bring that home and, and kind of travel in your own kitchen for a few hours. And, and they do these interactive menus and a lot of fun things come with it. And it's generally enough food for like three days. I end up having uh, leftovers for quite some time. So, so Vespertine and Culver City, um, is another place that I think is doing some really cool stuff, uh, considering that they're not able to use their, their dining room at the moment. Um, yeah, those you know, are some amazing suggestions. And I like how you gave us so much variety, like some of those are casual, some of them are more high end. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, and that's what LA does so good, right? I mean, we have everything, we have everything from the, the best, you know, street food in, in the country to some of the best high, high end fine dining. Um, one other thing I would just briefly want to mention is uh, just in general sushi. Um, I know a lot of people prefer to sit down at a counter and eat sushi fresh, but the, the sushi situation in Los Angeles has kind of gone through the roof this year in terms of takeout uh, places like Inaba and Manhattan Beach, Asanibo um, in the Valley, Kincon and Silver Lake, where you actually order through Instagram uh, and you pick it up. Somebody comes out of their apartment and brings you the most exquisite box of sushi you have ever seen. Um, it's, it's a very, you know, 2020 experience uh but it's just phenomenal it's just great so i'd say sushi overall you know and izakaya tonchikan in arcadia just there's just so many places that i would say Wait, which one is sushi, the one where they which one sorry to interrupt which one is the yeah. one where they come out of their uh, come out of their house it's called kincon uh i believe it's k-i-n-k-a-n uh i think their instagram is kincon la and they and have yeah, a restaurant you, before or they just no uh, i i don't i don't think the chef did I, i'm not, you know i'm honestly not 
certain whether the chef you know had a restaurant or worked elsewhere prior to but Wow. the quality of the fish she's using and the quality of the you know the knife work and and the rice and just everything it, it's it's exceptional and it's it's literally coming out of somebody's apartment in silver lake uh, it's so cool yeah i i can't you know i can't recommend it enough it's very cool uh but yeah it's, there's just so many places i could go on and on uh, you know places like prd in chinatown and bootleg pizza and jitlada and Broad Street, Malibu. I mean, all these places, they're all just great. There's so many to go try. I would just say get in your car and, you know, go out and go across town and go to that neighborhood you haven't been to and, you know, or, you know, check out the local restaurant that you've been thinking about, you know, trying and never went to just go support them. You know, it's, it's a great time to do that. And there's just so many great options. We're very fortunate in LA in that regard. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that's good advice, too, is to go to a, a neighborhood and check out what they have there, maybe not in your own neighborhood. Because yeah. pretty much from what I've seen, pretty much most neighborhoods in Los Angeles have um, a good sushi restaurant, good Mexican food. There's certain mm -hmm. areas like I'm glad you mentioned Glendale from Armenian food, because most people don't talk about that. They, they talk about the amazing Asian food in San Gabriel Valley. And of course, tacos everywhere, but Glendale has some really good Armenian food and Persian food. But yeah, uh, yeah just getting out there and checking out a different neighborhood and supporting them during this time would pick up would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree 100%. And there's so many just pockets around uh, the city, you know, like, if you haven't gone and eaten Japanese food in Gardena, or Hawaiian food in the South Bay and Torrance, you know, there's, there's just so many options. There's so much to, to go out and just get lost, just go get lost yeah. and eat a bunch of food. It'll be a great day. It always will be. Or, or another thing you can do, I do this sometimes, you mentioned, you just popped in my mind, because you mentioned Hawaiian food, is I'll think of some food that I haven't had before, or I haven't had in a really long time. I'll Google it. And sure enough, there's going to be a restaurant that serves that type of food in Los Angeles. So, yep. uh, you yep. know, like Hawaiian food isn't very common here, but uh, like you said, they have it in Torrance, they have some in Gardena, I think. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So like you said, we could go on and on from restaurants, but it, it's good when someone lists them out like that, because it's almost like overwhelm because there's just so many. So it's there nice to so have many. someone give you their recommendations. So you can say, you know, like you threw out a sushi restaurant in Manhattan beach. And I, yeah. I live close to Manhattan Beach and I haven't been to that one. So now I know I'm going to try that one out since she's awesome. Yeah. Can't wait to hear what you think. All right, cool. So let's get into, um, I think with takeout, everyone is focusing on lunch and dinner. I know that I am, even though yeah. in LA, the most popular meal of the week is Sunday brunch, right? Um, yeah. It feels yeah. kind of weird for me to get brunch from a restaurant as takeout because part of the whole experience is sitting down, having your coffee, having your French toast and all that. So I wanted to ask you this question. If, if you're not sure, then it's okay. We can pass it. But I wanted to ask you if you knew of any good brunch restaurants with a takeout because, you know, I think we should support them as well. So they're all there when we want to get back to them after the pandemic's over. Absolutely. No, I, I, I agree 100%. Um, you know, I love brunch. I love brunching in LA. I love sitting for three hours, you know, with my coffee and my eggs and, you know, maybe a, a cocktail and enjoying brunch. Absolutely. Uh, you know, one, one place that I, uh, have had some awesome experiences recently is Justa in Venice beach. And, and it's, it's odd why I've actually been very much enjoying it, but it's, it's the fact, um, their curbside, uh, setup is, is phenomenal. Um, if you've ever been to Justa before in Venice beach, and this is like this big, like warehouse kind of bakery, they make everything in house, their breads, their, you know, they cure their own smoked fish in the morning. Um, but it's just a phenomenal and phenomenal pastry, uh, selection there. But, uh, their, their curbside situation is great. Cause you can go there, you can get a great, you know, bagel and lox or, you know, some croissants and lattes and whatnot. And you're in Venice and you can, you know, cruise over to the beach and, just, you know, have, have a very nice, enjoyable brunch situation. It's not, you know, it's not the same as going to a restaurant and sitting down and uh, having that experience, but, but you get the, the same quality, high quality food that you, you know, you're looking for, for, you know, that kind of brunch. Um, and then just go enjoy it on the beach. Um, some other things that I've been enjoying though, for breakfast, um, you know, my, one of my, probably my favorite breakfast in the city, honestly, is uh, a chorizo and egg breakfast burrito from Las Teca Tortilla in uh, Boyle Heights. That's mm. probably my single favorite breakfast item in the city, maybe the country. Um, their breakfast burritos are just ridiculous. 
Uh, so that's, you know, kind of like a little breakfast hack there um, without having, you know, to commit to the whole sit down thing. Because another thing with brunch is like brunch doesn't necessarily travel that well. You know, sometimes like if you get a waffle somewhere, by the time, you know, you put it in into a bag and take it home or whatnot, it kind of, you know, loses its texture or it loses the, the heat. And, and yeah. a lot of brunch items just don't travel as well. But a mm -hmm. breakfast burrito, I mean, that thing, you can take that thing across the state and it'll still be ready to go. Um, so yeah, a lot is Teca Tortilla in uh, Boyle Heights. And then another place right by me that I've been actually frequenting, I'll bring it back to the San Gabriel Valley, is a huge tree pastry for Taiwanese breakfast. And uh, this is about four minutes from my house. It's very dangerous how close it is, but a uh, <laughs> huge tree pastry. It's just awesome. It's awesome. And uh, if you haven't had Taiwanese breakfast, there's just a ton of great items that you can choose from and, and expose yourself to a really phenomenal uh, way of eating, eating breakfast that many, many folks that I know don't know. Um, so I would say huge tree pastry uh, in Monterey Park should, should be on the list. You know, but, you know, you know, like you said, I think a lot of that brunch experience were it, it is hard to recreate um, until we're able to go because brunch, you know, is I, I think is one of those meals that even sometimes is a little less about the food. It's like a little less, you know, about that and just more about the experience or the vibe. And, you know, it can be just more about being able to kind of have that like long, relaxing Sunday morning somewhere. Um, but, you know, just to recap, La Azteca, Justa, Huge Street Pastry, those three places are all great breakfast brunch options uh, to go. Yeah, and that's a great tip you gave about the um, like breakfast burrito and chorizo type of thing, because it's a more affordable. You can carry it around. Um, that's kind of what I was getting at with me not doing any brunch since the takeout, because it's like you said, it's hard to get your syrup and you get your waffle, your French toast and your eggs are yeah. cold by the time you get home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ex exactly. But hey, I wanted to ask you, so Taiwanese breakfast, I've never had that before. I've even heard of it. Um, so I'm definitely gonna have to try that one out. Um, can you describe, I mean, is it just pastries or what is it? No, so there, there's there's a lot of stuff on that menu. Uh, there's there's um, scallion pancake that they make there is, mm. is phenomenal. It has uh, their breakfast version you can get actually wrapped in eggs. Uh, so that's that's really delicious. Uh, there's this, there's this, uh, baked sesame bread that they make there and you can get that filled with eggs or eggs and beef or eggs and pork. And, and those are really, really awesome to, to kind of munch on. They have a great, uh, radish cake. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, like a pan fried radish cake that you'll see, um, typically in like dim sum restaurants, uh, but they do a phenomenal fried radish cake there as well. Um, I and then there's this. Okay, well, and, and then that's another that's, you know, in terms of takeout, you know, I can't recommend just coming to the San Gabriel Valley enough and just checking out the, the different dim sum spots out here. You can kind of go on a dim sum crawl if you, you know, Google yeah. San Gabriel Valley dim sum crawl kind of tell you where to go, go from spot to spot. But um, I've got I've got a dim sum hack for everyone out there. I might have mentioned it in a past episode, but if you go to dim sum make sure you go with someone who knows what the hell they're doing, because yeah, the yeah. first time I went, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that great. And the bill was huge. And then I went with a Chinese friend of mine and the bill was like half of what it was because I didn't know, you know, I was ordering the most expensive thing without knowing it. And yeah. <laughs> the food was way better because he knew what to order. Yeah. You have to go in with it with a targeted uh, attack plan. You have to go in with a plan and with some, some premeditated knowledge. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. Cause I was just, you know, with the first time you go, you're like a kid in a candy store. You, they're coming over these carts and you don't know what's <laughs> you going say yes on. To everything. You, you, you're just yeah. grabbing stuff. You have no yep, idea how much yep. it costs. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Go, going in there with, with an expert or with some, doing some of your own research, it, it goes, it goes a long way. Yeah. Okay. So Andrew, I'm totally blown away by the variety of food that, so you're not kidding. I mean, you're a serious foodie and, and I love it. Yeah. Most people kind of fall into a trap and I do a little bit too, where I live in the South Bay. So I'll generally 90% of the time I'll eat in the South Bay. And then every once in a while I'll go to San Gabriel Valley or the arts district or somewhere like that. But man, you really uh, spread yourself around there checking out all the spots. So um, yeah. with, with all that restaurant knowledge that you have, I wanted to ask you about the current situation going on and of course we're talking about supporting restaurants by doing pickup and when eating outside comes back we can do that but um, what is your sense of what the restaurant scene in LA will be like from a year a year from now for example 
some good things have come out of it. Like there's doing, they're doing a lot more outdoor dining right now, which makes sense in Southern California and hopefully that'll stick around. Um, Do you think that um, most of the rest, a lot of these restaurants are going to close down and be replaced by new ones or are they going to be able to just tough it out for the next five, six months? Will takeout continue to be the norm and be a lot more popular and there'll be less people eating inside even when everything's over just because they've been trained to do that? Or what, what is just your general sense of what, the LA restaurant scene will be like when the pandemic is completely over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, man, it's really, it's hard to say, you know, I think a lot of it depends on whether the government steps in and helps the restaurant industry out. Um, I think a lot of it hinges on that. And then what does that assistance look like? Because I can tell you right now, the current landscape, um, you know, from not only what I'm seeing from my own clients, um, from my acquaintances um, and colleagues who are in the industry is that it, it's dire. It's really bad right now. And there are, you know, a, a lot of restaurants hanging on by a hair. Uh, and, and that's, you know, why it's so important to get out there and support these guys right now um, while, we, while we still can. But, you know, what it's going to look like in a year, I don't know. I think regarding the outdoor dining thing, I think that I hope, th- I, I hope they keep that in place. I think any kind of uh, edge they can give to these restaurants moving forward to, you know, not only try to recoup for this, for this horrible year, but to try and give them the opportunity to uh, build on their businesses and give them every opportunity to succeed. Uh, that's what I hope. I, I suspect in a place like Southern California, you know, we can work out the, the outdoor dining thing. Um, in terms of restaurants closing, look, I already have uh, you know, tons of restaurants that I love have closed in Los Angeles um, and across the country, um, across the globe. But here in Los Angeles, I mean, there are numerous restaurants that um, I absolutely love. My favorite restaurant in Los Angeles uh, closed this year. So it, it's, it's, already, it's already happening. Which um, one was that? It was, it was a restaurant called Somni. It was in the SLS Hotel. Mm. Um, it, was, it, was a, it was a fine dining restaurant that, you know, I just thought that you know, that restaurant was pushing the envelope for the entire city of Los Angeles um, to a level that no one else really was um, at that time. Uh, Somni was just an, an incredible place. And it, and it closed this year, unfortunately. I'm hoping the Chef I tour uh, does something else here in the city, but that's to be seen. Um, but what I really hope doesn't happen is that you see all these great restaurants, these uh, unique individual restaurants that exist here get, you know, taken over by corporate you know, restaurants or, uh, you know, kind of like chains and stuff like that. I hope that doesn't happen. What, you know, my, my hope is that that doesn't happen, but what I think will ultimately happen, uh, once people, you know, are confident to go back out into public and go back out into restaurants, um, you know, look, the LA restaurant scene is amazing. It is one of the, uh, greatest restaurant scenes on earth. And more than that, it has a very sophisticated and passionate clientele. So, I mean, I can tell you, I'm biting my nails waiting to be able to, you know, safely go back inside a restaurant and comfortably, you know, sit down and enjoy a three hour meal. Um, I cannot wait for that. It's one of the things I look forward to more than anything. Uh, so, and so I think there are many other Angelinos who feel the way. So I think that once things calm down, that you'll see the support show up again for these restaurants in a meaningful way. It's just honestly getting these guys to, you know, over the finish line here and getting them through this, this really tough time. And um, I hope that they get the help and the assistance they need um, because that that's really what will dictate what, you know, LA looks like in one year and five years and in 10 years. Yeah, those are great. Those are great points. I think, unfortunately, no matter what happens, and like you said, we've seen it, there's actually been some famous restaurants that have closed down. Some are going to close down regardless, but I mean, they'll come back as something else. I, I, I hadn't thought about what you just brought up about the corporate restaurants, so hopefully that doesn't happen. But my sense is that even if a lot of these restaurants close down, people are going to be chomping at the bit to go out and ex- experience restaurants. Like you said, yeah. and oh, this yeah. city has so many um, uh, creative people. I mean, it's not just in the entertainment industry, it's in the restaurant industry too. I mean, I mean, you see 100%. these speakeasies and these, and these different types of bars and restaurants. So they're going to come back and it might be in a different form, but I think two or three years from now, we're going to see even more incredible restaurants. I, I agree. I th- yeah, I think once once the general public feels you know comfortable going back out, uh, 
you know, as we were speaking about earlier, like in the entertainment industry, it's the same thing in, in, in food and hospitality. The talent pool is ridiculous. Some of the biggest rock stars in our cities are chefs, you know, and, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, because of their, you know, their uh, ego or personalities. I'm saying because of their talent, you know, the, the talent pool here is unbelievable. And I, I agree. I think once we can get over this, there, there will be a lot of great things happening again. I just hope that we don't lose some of the great talent um, in the, in the meantime and in the process. Yeah. Yeah. So to that point, um, you know, we're, our hope is that we can keep as many of these restaurants as that we love as possible. So I wanted to ask you, I mean, you're obviously a super foodie. I mean, uh, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, you're doing what you can to support local restaurants. So do you have any tips for the rest of us out here? I mean, besides the obvious ordering from your favorite restaurant, are, do you have any other um, tips you can give us to try to keep these restaurants that we love in business while they go through this tough time? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so, some things that you can do are, you know, buy gift cards to these places and give them to your friends or buy gift cards for yourself and hang on to them, you know, for once things get normal again. Uh, certainly supporting these restaurants on social media is a great way. Look, I mean, if even if you only have a handful of followers, if you have 50 to 100 followers, you know, you're letting all those friends and family know, go go support these people. Um, so encourage, you know, encourage people to go out and support them through your social media. Uh, definitely tip well when you do go, you know, support the staff, try to, you know, understand that they're working really hard right now, a lot like under some very stressful conditions. Um, so, you know, it's certainly tipping well goes a long way. Um, when you do order from restaurants, uh, if you can call them directly rather than going through a third party app, because that, you know, definitely bites into their profit margin. Uh, so if you can call them directly, do so, they'll really appreciate it. Um, and then, you know, aside from that, there, there are a, a decent amount of organizations out there that you can either sign petitions for or uh, donate to. Uh, one that comes to mind is the uh, Independent Restaurant Coalition. They seem to be doing some great work. Um, nationwide for restaurants so you know maybe give them a follow on instagram track what they're doing see if you can um you know volunteer or donate there um yeah those, those are some you know things that i think anybody can do who, who wants to see these places uh you know survive those are some excellent excellent tips andrew okay so let's jump back into los angeles in general uh i want you to imagine that it's late 2021 or 2022 COVID's completely over. It's no longer anything we have to worry about. Can you describe for us your perfect day in Los Angeles from getting up to going to bed? Where would you go and what would you do to make it your dream day in LA? Oh man, Stefan, honestly, I'm getting like chills thinking about that. Just like the, <laughs> the ability to go do that. Oh, that sounds glorious. Oh, wow. Well, you know, I guess, I guess one thing I would say and I, you know, I think this uh, very specific to Los Angeles is luckily, even during the pandemic, a lot of what make what makes a great day in Los Angeles is still possible, right? Uh, we can still go hiking, we can still go to our beaches and, and enjoy the weather and, you know, get great food to go and kind of we, we have some of these we have some of these, you know, basic foundational things here that just make Southern California what it is why you know, many of us want to be here. But with that being said, my perfect day uh, so yeah, I would probably start very early. I love, I love the mornings in Los Angeles. I love when it's kind of cold and gray and even still cloudy. Um, I'd probably want to go to a coffee shop somewhere, um, and, and sit in that coffee shop inside of that coffee shop and have a coffee to stay in their, in their mug, uh, and really just hang out and probably you know, talk to, to my barista or, you know, talk to my, you know, local neighborhood, you know, people that I know um, pre-pandemic, I, you know, had a few coffee shops that I would frequent and, and do that in the morning to kind of get my day going. So certainly go grab some coffee, sit down, uh, do it that way. Um, and then go for a hike or a run, depending on, you know, what the rest of the day looks like, but ideally a hike, uh, probably by the coast, maybe in the Palisades, maybe in Malibu, um, follow up that hike with a breakfast burrito. Um, because after that, I probably want to take the kids to the beach, hang out at the beach for a while, um, you know, just play on the beach, enjoy the weather. Uh, if we were in Malibu, probably go grab lunch at Broad Street Oyster, probably grab that on the way to the beach, to be honest with you, to eat at the beach, um, lobster rolls, caviar, calamari steak, Caesar salad, all that. Um, after lunch, I'd, I'd probably want to, you know, cruise up the coast and 
maybe go to a museum. You know, I've been, I've been having the urge to go back to museums, right? We can't go inside to these museums or a lot of them have been closed or very limited. Probably want to go walk around, you know, one of the museums uh, with my family and, and enjoy that experience, you know, whether it was the Getty or the Broad or, you know, the number of cool museums around town. Um, that would probably be, you know, a post-lunch activity. After that, maybe, you know, go home and play drums for a little bit. I, I love playing drums. Uh, I probably pick up, actually first pick up a coffee again after lunch and then on the way to the house, play some drums. Um, and, and drums would be a, a few hours, uh, let the kids sing and dance to whatever I was playing, have some fun with them. And then uh, for dinner, you know, dinner for me would be, it would depend whether it was just my wife and I going out for a date. If it was just my wife and I going out, probably want to go to some, some great sushi restaurant and, and sit at the sushi counter with the great sushi chef um, and just let him feed us for, uh, for as long as, as we could stand that. Uh, if it was going out with the kids, probably would want to go to a Korean barbecue restaurant in Koreatown, um, you know, maybe something really loud and really energetic with a lot of people in it. Honestly, that probably would be the post-pandemic vibe I was looking for. Um, maybe like quarters where they, they play very loud music and, and my, my daughter loves to dance to um, K-pop while we're at those places. So probably go to a Korean barbecue restaurant with the family at night. Um, if you couldn't tell I'm a coffee fiend on the way home, I would certainly stop for my third coffee of the day, probably something uh, iced. And then, uh, I honestly, how I would end my day is I'd go home and I'd probably pack a, a suitcase to leave to Vegas for the morning. And that would be my perfect day in LA. That sounds like an awesome day, Andrew. And I got to tell you, you're absolutely right about how we're lucky in, in the sense that we live in Los Angeles, a place where you can still go outside because it's warm enough and go hiking and go to the beach and all this stuff, even during this pandemic. But man, am I looking forward to being able to go into a restaurant with lots of oh, people man. to go to a yep. concert, to go to a sports game, to go to a museum. Yep. And I mean, I'll never take any of that stuff for granted again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, exactly. 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 You nailed it on the head. Never will take that uh, again for any for any moment. Will I take that for granted? Yeah, exactly. All right, Andrew, it's been a great conversation. I really appreciate it. But is there anything else you want people to know about supporting local businesses or the LA restaurant scene in general that I didn't already ask you or we didn't already talk about? You know, I just think that, uh, you know, you just have to understand how important LA restaurants are to LA, how many people they employ, um, you know, how important to the economy they are. Uh, how important they are to the culture of LA and what allows diversity to thrive in Los Angeles via its restaurant scene. Um, you know, just understanding, um, you know, that and, 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 you know, what role LA restaurants play in the makeup of this city and respecting that and then taking a little bit of time to, to try and support that and, and help bridge the gap between now and post pandemic. Uh, like I said, jump in your car, go anywhere, support. Um, you'll always, you'll always win by, you know, supporting these great restaurants and having a nice meal. And it's, it's a win-win for everyone. And uh, yeah, just be nice to everyone, you know, be nice. That, that's all else I would say is while you're out there, just be cool with everyone. As long as you're nice and you're supporting, I think, you know, everybody's doing the right thing. And that's, that's all, all we can do at this point. Yeah. Well said, my friend. And uh, I'd really want to thank you for coming on. I mean, you dropped so many restaurants. I'm going to have to go back and listen to this with my notepad and write these down because <laughs> Thanks I want to places me. out. But hey, before yeah. I let you go, where's the best place for people to go who want to follow you or learn more about what you're up to? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter. My personal account is at Andrew Steller, A-N-D-R-E-W-S-T-E-L-L-A-R. Uh, my law firm is Kuzovitsky Law. Um, on Instagram and Twitter, it's Kus Law, K-O-U-S-S-L-A-W. Uh, that's Kus Law. And then uh, if you wanted to check out my band, it's uh, at This Is Westview. T-H-I-S-I-S-W-E-S-T-V-I-E-W. This is Westview. And then you can go on Spotify and check our music out as well. And uh, that's pretty much where you can get me, which is probably a lot of places. So if you're, if you're looking for me, I'm probably not the hardest guy to find. Yeah, no problem. And I'll put all those in the show notes so people can uh, find you at any one of those. All right, Andrew, I want to thank you so much for coming on. You dropped some great, great hacks and I really appreciate it. Hey, Stefan, I wanted to say thank you for having me. I've been a big fan of the show for some time, and I uh, just really love your passion for L.A. and what you do for the city. So thanks so much for, for, having, for having me on. Yeah, and if anybody wants to reach out for restaurant 
recommendations or anything, feel free to um, shoot me a DM. All right. Thank you. Once again, my friend, take care. You too. Welcome back, LA Hackers. I hope you enjoyed that conversation I just had with Andrew Kusavitsky. As you heard in the interview, he's a very busy man as an attorney, a musician, and a next-level L.A. foodie who's always out there exploring L.A. restaurants. And he gave us some great tips of not, not only where to go, but how we can support our favorite restaurants during this tough time. Um, you, you know, we did this interview a few weeks ago. Um, I'm publishing this in late December 2020, and we did the interview early December 2020. So just wanted to point out the situation's fluid. I think when we had our conversation restaurants were still open outdoors and currently as i'm publishing this they're not and you know by the time you listen to us listen to this episode they might be back open again so anyway situation's very very fluid okay so if you want to um reach out to andrew or follow him the best place to go is on his instagram andrew stellar so s-t-e-l-l-a-r i'm sure if you hit him up with any questions he'd be happy to answer all right guys on to my special hack for the episode so andrew and i touched a little bit about it on in our conversation and that is um these you know kind of like fine dining restaurants or restaurants you wouldn't normally expect to do take out and pick up because you know when we think of take up take out and pick up we think of pizza hamburgers and tacos but there's actually a lot of restaurants right now that are um, have adjusted and you know their restaurants are kind of known for their ambiance and and their upscale or or what have you you know like when you when you sit in there as part of the experience but they've had to adjust so they're doing takeout as well so you can still get that high quality food and we actually just uh, published an article about that it's like the best upscale restaurants to do takeout so if you just go to lifehacksla.com and you type in the search if it should be the latest post but if you're listening to this in the future just type in takeout in the search and we've got a great article up there where we list some of the places you might not normally expect to do takeout that are currently serving in los angeles and they're more like a high-end upscale or trendy places all right guys that's all i have for you this week um say one more thing i noticed that uh, i was just looking at my reviews and i haven't had a review in a while so if you could do me a big favor if you could just leave us a review if you enjoy this podcast of course um leave us a review on itunes it really helps us out and i would really appreciate it and that's all i got for you this week and i will see you again soon take care